I just want to welcome you back to this podcast. Um, this is the Pieces of Mind podcast. I am the host. My name is Samat. Um, I have to be honest with you. Um, I haven't been feeling as I haven't been feeling great uh, emotionally, mentally. I've been feeling heavier than normal. Um, so I know I wanted to do this on a weekly basis. However, um, just wasn't wasn't feeling as as up to it as I uh, normally would have been. Um, which is the reason for the scenery change. That's why I decided to step outside, um, actually record outside, you know, get fresh air. So uh, there is going to be a bit of background noise, which is, uh, you know, obviously different than last episode. However, um, I'll do my best to try to um, talk around the loudest, talk around the loudest points of background noise and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully it doesn't become too much of a distraction. Um, yeah, you know, this podcast is, is really built around, you know, understanding and education. Basically just trying to communicate as much useful information as possible. Um, in particular for our community, uh, a lot of us are, you know, we suffer at the hands of not knowing. Um so my, 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 my goal here is just to, again, spread as much information as I can, um, but also learn through this process. Um, speaking of process, I'm still processing a lot of the things that are happening here in our country. Um, you know, and as I said, that's part of the reason why I'm feeling is I have been feeling heavy. You know, t- today I feel better and I feel more up to doing this. So that's why I'm, you know, I've decided to do this today. Those of you who waited, I appreciate it. Those of you who have been anticipating this episode, I appreciate that as well. So again, I say welcome. Um, and yeah, so this week, um, school is officially over. Um, you know, my actual, my last class that I had was last Friday. Um, for those who don't know, I am an educator. And, you know, obviously the pandemic has changed the way that being a teacher looks. What we ended up doing was we uh, we were teaching on Skype. So this past Friday was my last official class with the students. So I ended up calling them. And what ended up, what ended up happening in that call is what part of, part, of, part of it is what made me start feeling the way I felt with just um, the heaviness that I was overcome with over the last few days. But also it it created an opportunity for me to educate myself but also educate the, uh, the children. So I just wanna, I wanna use this conversation that I, that I had with my students as the backdrop for this episode. So the conversation ended up, um, well, initially it started off as a reflection type of thing where I wanted to know, you know, how they felt looking back over the last three months, how they felt about this pandemic, learning in a situation like this, having to be taught and learn from home, you know, not being able to go anywhere, or if they did go somewhere, having the paranoia of possibly, you know, catching the virus. So that was that was the the intention behind the conversation. Um, we ended up speaking about current events. I mean, as an English and history teacher, it's almost uh, irresponsible if I don't even bring up current events, especially being a black man in this country. So that came up, and in talking about the current events. One of my students who is now going into seventh grade next year, she told me about how she was actually, um, 
she actually attended one of the the protests here in Sicklerville where I live, um, which was it was dope to me because you know I admire parents who don't uh, hide their children from the truth. I mean, it's a there's a very fine line, but to have the discussion and and you know show them the idea of what protesting and organizing for the for you know the greater good that's important so i admire that parent for doing that now it's important to say that this student obviously is black and the majority of the students whom i teach are black however there's one student who i have in my sixth grade class who's also going to seventh grade he is a student who is not from this country he's actually from jordan in the middle east and he just arrived at our school in January. He just arrived in the country in January. Um, he posed a very interesting question, which was a very simple question, and that being, what is a protest? Um, so I did my best to give him a very uh, loose definition of the word. Um, if I remember correctly, I said something along the lines of, basically, um, people organizing, um, People coming together, organizing, and making their statement known on a cause they don't necessarily agree with. Um, that's basically what I told him. Um, of course, his next question is, why are we doing this? And I tell him. I bring up the deaths of George Floyd. I bring up Breonna Taylor. I bring up Ahmaud Arbery. I, at this time, I didn't even know about Rashad Brooks because it hadn't happened yet. It actually happened that night, but you can add um, Rashad Brooks to the list. You tell him about Emmett Till back in the 50s and uh, Walter Scott and all these people who have suffered an, un an untimely demise or have, who have been murdered at the hands of uh, white supremacy. So... I think it's important to note also that this student was extremely, extremely excited about living in this country. His idea of what this country was had nothing to do with the information that I was sharing with him during this during this call. Um, and that point made me finally derive at an answer to a question that I've been pondering on for so long, which is, why is it so hard for other people to understand the pain that we go through as black people in this country, knowing what we've been through as a people group. Not to say that non-blacks will ever understand because they're not in our skin. So we don't look, we're not, I mean, personally, I'm not looking for a non-black or specifically a white person to know every intricacy of what I go through on a daily basis to be able to understand it to a T. That's not, that's not productive because hoping for that or expecting that to happen is counterproductive. It's not something that's even feasible. However, what I have been struggling to understand is the lack of empathy that is being displayed by non-blacks or white people toward black people. I think now we see more empathy than we've seen in, in any recent case of any uh, racial injustices. However, there are still people as i touched on last episode if you haven't heard the first episode please go back and listen to it i explained you know essentially why we are mad black people there are people who still try to justify these murders somehow some way or paint these police officers as you know these heroes when they're blatantly committing acts of murder acts of terrorism um so when i'm talking to my student and i'm telling him 
what has happened in this country for over a span of decades, generations, he instantly, his, his idea of this country changes. So his entire perspective changed just because of the fact that what he was being shown was not 100% the truth. And what he was now learning opened him up more to what actually happens in this country on a daily basis and what's been happening for, again, decades. Um, which, as I said, it answered the question for me, which is why is it so hard for people to be empathetic? And it's not that it's hard. It's just what I learned is that, and I'm going to use a metaphor, America is it's a tale of two cities, and it is being viewed from two different lenses, two lenses that are vastly different. Um, and that's going to be our conversation today. The fact that America is viewed through two different lenses. Um, and I think that's strategic. And I'm going to outline both lenses as best as I can. Imagine it more so like this. There, there are two photographers who are tasked with um, having to take a photograph of America. One of those photographers is a black person who experiences America on an everyday basis as a black person, as we all do as black people. Then the other photographer is a white person. And again, they are both tasked with photographing America as they see it and as they feel it. Because I think it's very important to not only outline what we see, but what we feel. And that is the difference. We know what we see. We know that we saw our brothers and sisters killed going back decades. But I think now it's important to understand that we feel things as well. So this is what we're gonna talk about today. And we're gonna dive into exactly what those two lenses are and who represents which photograph? So let's first, let's address the first photograph and the first lens or perspective that we're, that we're talking about here. That first photograph is white America. And the photographer who was responsible for that photograph is, is a person who obviously is a white American. Male, female, doesn't matter white America as an entire entity. What you would see in that photograph would be the stereotypical American dream, which consists of more than likely suburban living, two-parent household, children roughly around the same age who, who get to grow up together, play together, the stereotypical or cliche rather white picket fence. They're privileged enough to go to um, superior school system where they learn at a higher level, which ultimately sets them up for a career opportunity or opportunities that uh, supersede that of those who are in the black community. And from the beginning of time, they're just presented with the opportunity to feel as though they are the superior race in this country, just based on what is being taught to them. Well, what is being taught, what is being marketed to them, what is, what is being thrown into this portrait of white America. 
Turn your television on. How many commercials do you see have white people in them as the dominant figure? The show you're watching on television, the series you're watching on Netflix, the YouTuber your children might be watching on YouTube. How many of them are white? The movies that you watch. How many of those storylines are revolved around a white character or white characters? Or the directors who directed those films. How many of them are white? The writers in those rooms. How many of them are white? The answer is without even having to look up concrete numbers, I can guarantee you the answer is a lot. The toys that your children play with or that if you don't have children, children who I see play with toys in the school where I teach, white faces on them. Being an English teacher a lot of the books that my students are required to read are stories that, quite frankly, are not black stories. Which is not to say that you students are only supposed to or should only read stories that pertain to their race. However, I believe it's negligent to never give a student a story about their race at all. I believe that this is what my student who was not from this country was experiencing. What he was seeing was a country that did not project blackness or even minority minority life into the forefront of the image. What he was seeing was not something that was actually true. It's called a narrative. And if you have the resources and the opportunities to create the narrative and maintain the narrative, then you will do just that. So the way that America has been marketed to the vast majority of people within this, within this world who are not from here, but those who idolize this place, they're not seeing the other photograph. And if they are, they're not expecting to live it. Now, what is this other photograph? This other photograph. This other photograph is simply the black experience. Now, what will you see in this photograph? Without being too obvious, you will probably see a black man or black woman dead in the street with a police officer standing above that person or whichever the case is, gun drawn. You probably notice that the setting of this photograph is taken more than likely in an inner city or the hood. There will probably be a church in that photograph with a liquor store not too far from it. You may even see a lot of people standing out on the street corner. But like, here's what you won't see, right? You won't see the fear that those gentlemen on the corner, you won't see the fear that they have just trying to figure out how to survive, right? You won't see the people who are in that church desperately seeking for a better future and feeling as though they have no other resource, no other option but to be in that church. As a Christian, I totally acknowledge that as a follower of Christ, he is the way and the truth and the life. Like we know that, but faith without works is dead. And we unfortunately do not get 
the benefit of figuring out the things that we can actually put to work with our faith. You probably won't see the mother who is in a single family household who can't figure out how to continue to provide for her child or children. Nor will you see that black child feeling the pain that his parent feels and feeling like a burden to this to his parent. You won't even see the fact that the reason why that picture is so gloomy is because of the difference of skin that makes up those photographs. No one is really asking non-blacks to walk a day in our shoes, as people like to say, or no one is even attacking non-black. Well, personally, I'm not attacking non-blacks for not being able to understand on a ground level because there are just some things you'll never go through like your life will never be made harder because of the color of your skin. My life is hard every day because of the color of my skin on top of the other things that we all have to go through. Like it's just not fair. And that's what we're trying to communicate. But the fact of the matter is there are some who just refuse to empathize or acknowledge or accept these truths. There's no way you can look at two fo two photographs taken of the same country, which essentially depict the same thing, housing, opportunities, or lack thereof, community, how the communities interact with one another. Like these are all the same thing to just look different. And the reason why they look different is, is, is for something as futile as the color of the, a person's skin. But it goes all the way back to the beginning and how we actually got here. So when you, when you never see these things, even as a child, in, in the case of my student, when you never really get to understand the the other side or because of the way that the white American dream has been presented, it implicitly casts a shadow over everything else that is not white. So maybe people and in particular, this student, again, I'm using him as a, as a reference point. Maybe he had no idea of how black people lived in this country, but that's not to say he's never seen black people in this country because here is how black people are presented in this photograph the one that i just outlined but also we can we can stop using the metaphors and the similes and all the other stuff we can go to concrete facts when we talk about from the beginning as i told my students and as many of us are taught it's almost as if like black people were introduced to the world as slaves which is not true but if you're taught that and no one ever refutes that then that's automatically going to be your your first impression of black people and then you go down the line and you see how they went through civil rights and how they were beaten and sprayed and attacked with dogs and lynched and burned. You move a little bit further and these people get shown Martin Luther King and he's presented as the savior for all black people, but it doesn't end there. This, the racism doesn't end there. The injustices don't end there. And it's even more obvious with the fact that he was murdered. And then along the way you sprinkle in the Frederick Douglasses and you sprinkle in the the Rosa Parkses and the Jackie Robinsons, and, and all of a sudden, we get this idea, oh, black people started off as slaves, they went through a little bit more trouble, we got some good black people sprinkled in that did some pretty cool things, and then we land at today. And from a macro level, it appears as if we made significant strides to someone who's not walking in this every day. So when you go from being slaves to having the first black president in a span of hundreds of years, it's like, oh, well, you're doing all right. But in reality, like on a on a micro level, no, we, we we're still being killed. We're still being killed here. The same day I had this conversation with my students, Rashad Brooks was killed. So there's no possible way that we can truly believe that we're at a point where it's OK to be black as black people. But it's presented that way. 
y'all went through this y'all fine now get over it but that's not where we are this country presents black people in a way that is inferior so again like i said if this student ever i just wanted a tangent but if this student was even ever presented with black people prior to and and to having real life encounters with them let's just try to imagine what what was he seeing he was probably seeing everything i just outlined which automatically says oh that's how they view black people as less than or he probably saw black athletes which is to then say oh well they play sports or they're entertainers or they do this but all the white people or non-blacks for that matter are doing other more quote-unquote prestigious things because we're not shown in the same light which is to still say oh no they're still not equal if you look at film stepping away from a child's perspective just look at the way that blacks are portrayed in film the majority of black people in films are shown in a derogatory manner written or directed by people who are not black by the way and unfortunately because of how society already views us as being less than from the beginning we are not valued we just step into and accept the role without necessarily challenging what it is that's being portrayed which is to say that we actually have been so conditioned to kind of believe these things about ourselves Again, when we live in these environments, if we go through these hardships, it's almost it's almost inevitable that we believe that we are less valuable as a people until we begin to do our own research and we begin to unlearn some of the things that we've been taught, some of the conditioning that we've been taught that is in stark contrast of what is actually the reality. Like, there's more to this story. And when you learn more, you begin to understand that, you no, know, this setup was by design. The portrait that is painted initially, that being the white American dream, is not one that was ever true from the beginning because there's 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 more to it than that. Yes, you have this better neighborhood. Yes, you have these better opportunities. Yes, you have these these systems that work out in your favor. But the question is, why do you have those? why don't we and like this is the thing that i'm interested in peeling back the layers in and really understanding and in doing that and might i add i believe that there are millions of people black people who are just as interested and in, in getting to the bottom of that and because we are getting closer and closer to it this is why you see the black revolution that is happening now that we're right in the middle of america cannot continue to portray this image because it's not one that is even based in any fact it's all based on fallacy from the beginning building a country that was never yours to begin with with people who you stole to do the work for you is a bad setup from the beginning and eventually that empire is bound to fall down it's bound to fall so i go all the way back to this conversation i'm having with my children because even that conversation in itself though i'm though i'm harping on how the one student who's not from this country helped me derive at an answer to a question that I've been wondering for so long, a question that has pained me. And again, that question is simple is why, why aren't people empathizing with us? Why are there still folks out there who are subscribing to the notion that no, y'all niggas don't mean nothing. This conversation, it proved to be valuable to all the students for different reasons. For the black students, it, it was valuable because of the fact that they were learning the realities and they were beginning to feel better about themselves knowing that the things that they've seen for so long was in was um, strategically placed there for them to not feel as good as they could about themselves. But the, for the student who was not from this country, who had a very uh, one 
one-sided myopic viewpoint of this country because of how it was presented to him and what he was taught to feel as opposed to just actually experiencing himself he came out enlightened for a whole different reason because now he he knows that again the way he feels about this country is not based on anyone else but his own experience in this country and it's not a matter of which side does he choose does he choose the white american side the black american side it's what where what place will he find here in this country because even for him even for him he will never have to go through those things that my black students will have to go through he will never have to experience the things that are experienced in the black photograph he just won't like no i don't i don't wish i don't wish this this fear of dying at the hands of police who are to protect and serve i don't wish that fear on anyone black or non-black i don't wish your life being made harder because you are black on anyone or because of the color of your skin on anyone it's just these things are not logical so i don't wish irrational illogical pain on any any person what i do wish is that there are more people who can see and identify or discern that oh no this is really beyond just oh they're being killed it's not giving opportunities not having adequate schooling not living in sufficient neighborhoods or being homeless um, not given the opportunities to uplift your life your quality of life it's it's like it's those things it's the things that i dare say are more dangerous than being killed by a police officer because that concept is like lightning in the bottle it's like maybe it'll happen to you just because like if you're black it could happen to you but like there's a chance it won't happen to you but there's a greater chance that you probably grew up in a single family household or you go to a bad school or you live in a neighborhood that's considered to be the hood or you can uh, experience violence walking out your front door or like these things are way more common and this is what we are trying to communicate as a people right now. Again, this platform for me is for education purposes. I wanted to take everything I'm saying now and write it and present it in a way that people would read it, but I just couldn't find a way to communicate this as effectively as I knew I could on this podcast. And I, I just hope and I pray that there are people who will be opened up by what I'm saying, by these experiences, because... The more people we can get to empathize what it is to be black in this country and what we go through as black people in this country and how they can facilitate some of the changes being made in this country for us. That's what's most important. But on the opposite side, I am more than educated enough to know that there are just some people who will not sway because, you know, they like that portrait. They see themselves in that portrait. And, you know, there, there unfortunately, there are some people who will just Okay, like if a system has benefited you for so long, you went to a, you lived in a great neighborhood growing up, your parents were both in the household, they didn't have to work sevens to sevens, you didn't have to worry about where you were going to get your next meal or what your next meal was even going to be, you could turn your light switches on without having to worry about the lights actually not coming on, you could take a shower in the warm water as much as you wanted to, like if you didn't have to grow up in that experience, and then your children also had to were able to grow up in, a, in an experience that was equally as beneficial as yours was, if not more, based on the trajectory of your life and how far that will be able to take you, then why would they want it to change? Like there are people who don't want this to change because it's been working for them for so long. Like people say the system is broken. The system has never, ever, ever, ever been broken. The system has worked completely as it has been intended to from the very beginning. And those who benefit from that system, I could only imagine 
are the same people who are vehemently in disagreement with the liberation of black people, the true liberation of black people. However, black liberation does not, will not, and should not um, oppress any other people. Me being able to walk down the street without having the fear of having a fateful encounter with a police officer should not deteriorate from your life. Like black neighborhoods, inner city neighborhoods, receiving proper funding for those children to be able to go to better schools and living better home housing situations will not retract from your quality of life. But like there are people who believe that that is going to be the case, that is the case, and they are completely against that. So that's one thing. Then there are people who who we who we are beginning to see become enlightened throughout this entire process. Like they are um they are so oblivious. Like my student, he had no idea. Granted, I can give him a pass for not living in this country, but there are people, non-blacks or whites in this country who have no idea what it's like and all they see is the tip of the iceberg, which is us being killed. They don't understand everything else. They don't know about everything else. And then there are other people who just refuse. They are just outright, overtly racist. And there are some covert racists, but I will say this and I will end with this. To believe in a country, to fight for a country, to pledge to a flag that represents a country that stands on liberty and justice for all, to stand on a document that says all men are created equal, how can you not also apply that to the same people who have been here from the very beginning? If you do not believe in equal rights for black people of all walks, then I have to question if you even believe in what it is to be American at all. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give this podcast a review. Um, rate it. Um, it helps with the visibility of the podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, share it. If you're watching this on Facebook, please share this. Once again, I appreciate those of you who have taken the time out to listen or watch this podcast. I appreciate it. And we'll be back again next week. Once again, this is the Pieces of Mind podcast. My name is Samat. I thank you truly from the bottom of my heart for your time.